Welcome to From Duck Till Dark, Outside the Marvel Studios. An audio celebration of the films based on Marvel Comics characters released before and during the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Enough said. Face front, true believers, this is George Soroy, and welcome to the latest episode of From Duck Till Dark, Outside the Marvel Studios, a celebration of all of the Marvel movies that had come out in theaters before and during the run of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is part of the National Podcast Post Month Challenge, where all participants simply record and post an episode of a podcast every day for 30 days. I am so glad that, that I've been able to stay on course. Here we are at episode 28, and I am really, really excited to talk about this one because I really hold the X-Men franchise above so many other franchises, and I am very proud to say that I've been you know, consistently keeping up with, with them, and this one was a big one. I knew that I just had this feeling that at some point we were going to have the first class era somehow mingling in with the X-Men that we knew. There was going to be some some way that, so that they were going to interact together. And boy, was this worth the wait. Around 2012, that's when the Avengers hit and hit hard to the, to the tune of over a billion dollars in box office. That was just absolutely mind-bending, the kind of box office that that was bringing in. During that time, 20th Century Fox was really kind of looking for something that they could do, their own Avengers. And that's when they kind of realized, like, hey, we have, we have the X-Men. They're already a team. So what can we do to really make it something worthwhile? And that's where Brian Singer brought forward the idea of Days of Future Past. And that's what we wound up getting in 2014, X-Men, Days of Future Past. And seeing those initial trailers just had me so excited getting to hear the voice of Charles Xavier through Patrick Stewart one more time and his interactions with Wolverine and then having something happen that is forcing them to send Wolverine back in time and where he meets everyone there from the first class era. And that was just like a little taste of what was to come. I had no idea what was going to be presented, but I knew that I had to go see it and I knew that I had to go and see it with my dad. Like I said before, X, the X-Men franchise kind of became our thing. At this point, we had seen X-Men, X2, and X-Men First Class together. So it seemed right that we go see Days of Future Past together and we were able to make it work. We took a trip in 2014 down to Florida where my father was father had his summer home at that time. And we were able to make a day out of it. We went ahead and saw an afternoon screening and I was absolutely blown away by it. I loved, loved, loved this movie. I feel like it is, it's definitely a strong recommend at the same time. Like I, I feel like X-Men First Class overall is the better film, but there is so much that's brought into Days of Future Past that, that is a lot to unpack. Basically what happens is the there's there's a there's a constant enemy in the X-Men franchise in the comics 
named Sentinels, and they're these huge titanic mechanical figures that are that are built with one thing in mind, and that is the destruction of mutants. And in the comics, in the two-parter of Days of Future Past, so much of mutant kind has been wiped out. And here in Days of Future Past, what we see is that ever since, ever since Mystique left Xavier and went with Magneto, she has been much more militant. It's not just mutant and proud. It's mutant and we will kill anyone who stands in our way. Anti-humanity, instead of trying to uh, coincide with humanity the way that Charles Xavier would, would prefer. And what she winds up doing is she assassinates the head of a government program named Boulevard Trask, and in the movie played by Peter Dinklage. And however, because of because of what he is doing, he is the one that is designed the Sentinels. And so she winds up being captured and her DNA winds up being used by the Sentinels in order to basically continuously adapt to any sort of any sort of attacks that mutants would give them. And because of that, mutant kind at this point in the story, in, in a not too distant future, has been almost completely wiped out. And what we have here is a small band of mutants led by Kitty Pride. And what she does is she sends the consciousness of the character Bishop a few days back. So that way he can alert everyone of where the Sentinels are, and so that way they can be where they are not. And so it's a constant constant cat and mouse game that they have to keep playing in order to survive. But what Xavier and Magneto have in mind is for Xavier to, to put his consciousness back in the back in the body of himself in 1973. And Kitty is just very much like unable to do that. She can only do like a few days worth by saying that the 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 force of putting a consciousness so far back would basically rip his mind apart. To which Wolverine comes up and says, what if what if you're dealing with someone whose mind can heal as fast as it's being ripped apart? So he becomes the centerpiece of this, of going back in time, trying to trying to appease a Charles and make him believe that, so that he is who he is and, and that humanity and mutants become what they become. And so it's it's a it's a really interesting story and it's very very dense, very, very detailed. Like I said before, I absolutely love this movie. I still do. It holds up. And there, there's so much detail that goes into it, especially, and, and this seems to be kind of like a constant in this show, but I'm also going to be saying a few words about what they call the rogue cut. And they call it the rogue cut because the character rogue from, from the original X-Men trilogy she was originally, she was one of the people that took the cure. And we see from Magneto's actions that the cure was not meant to last. And Rogue is a very strong mutant herself. So it would only be a matter of time before the cure would lessen for her and that she would be able to regain her powers. But there was a whole subplot that was taken out for the theatrical cut that featured a rescue attempt 
for Rogue and basically like trying to get her so that way um, that way when Kitty Pride is wounded by a flailing Wolverine during the during the, the instance where where he sees William Stryker and his mind starts to go nuts because William Stryker is the man who gave him that animantium skeleton and winds up losing his concentration for a period and it's a very powerful moment but because of kitty being wounded by wolverine's claws which by the way are once again animantium and this is not to discount what happened with the 2013 film the wolverine this is simply saying that wolverine is taking part in a war and they have someone on hand that can manipulate animantium, which would be Magneto. So that's why he has metallic claws again, is because Magneto was able to bring them back. The only thing that I would have done differently for that epilogue in The Wolverine is I would have had a moment where where Magneto basically just like looks at those claws and says something along the lines of like, it's like something along the lines of like, would you like me to help you with those? Something something along those lines. So that way, when we see him with the with the animantium claws in Days of Future Past, it's not as jarring. So, um, what winds up happening is in the Rogue cut, they have to find Rogue. She's in the Xavier Mansion, which is now completely like burnt out, and rescue her. And it's that rescue mission that allows those mutants to be tracked. And so now you have Sentinels going over there. Originally, it was it, it was the ticking clock scenario of Kitty being wounded and bleeding out. So it was a matter of like, you got to accomplish this mission before she completely bleeds out because once she bleeds out, she can't do this anymore. And this would be their only option to make this happen. And so that's what... But, that's what so that's what winds up happening in the theatrical cut, but in the in the rogue cut, Rogue is rescued and she's able to absorb Kitty's power so that way she can take over and Kitty can get her wounds treated. However, because of that rescue, the rest of the mutants have now been tracked. The Sentinels know where they are and they're coming. So both ways work very well. I personally prefer the Rogue cut because it incorporates the character Rogue, which was such a central figure in this whole franchise. Um, I, I really like what Jennifer Lawrence does as Mystique. She gives a militant kind of performance and someone who is definitely scarred by everything. And um, there's you know quite a bit that we get to see in the Rogue cut of her hooking up once again with Beast. And it's another great scene between the two of them. They're, they're really good together. They got great chemistry. And you see like this feeling of like what might have been if Beast had handled himself a little differently, if Mystique had not... Well, none of that really is Mystique's fault. It's all really Hank. Hank he told her that she would never be looked at as beautiful when that's completely to the contrary because... Because Hank is still very much attracted to her. And obviously, Magneto believes that she is perfection when she is who she is. And so there's a whole lot that's great there. The central scene, the one that I was really like on, on the edge of my seat in the theaters was when, was when the 1973 Charles Xavier enters Logan's mind and, all, and is able to actually connect with Patrick Stewart Xavier. 
And it's such an amazing scene between the two of them. It really is so, so powerful. Obviously, I mean, I didn't even say anything about Quicksilver, about, um, about, about Peter. And how he is, how he has this, this whole amazing sequence. Like, however, it's, it's a very powerful sequence and it's really, really well executed. I can just go on and on. But at the same time, all I can really say is if you haven't seen it, see it. It's so worth it. It is so worth your time. And there are quite a few elements regarding the continuity that I'll be able to touch on later on once we get to the ending of this whole X-Men franchise. So we still have a little while before we get there. But in the meantime, I just have to reiterate, see X-Men Days Future Past. And both cuts are very good. But at the same time, I personally prefer the Rogue cut. So I'd like to hear your opinions on, on this. I can be... You can find me on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash from duck till dark. And until next time, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward and excelsior. I'll see you tomorrow.